0: Uh, Morning, afternoon, evening, or night, uh, wherever you are, wherever you're tuning in, my deepest and sincerest gratitudes to uh, taking the time out of your day to listen to uh, my thoughts on what albums, what artists that I've been getting into and really digging. Um, Welcome. My name is Brett Sassman. This is What Is Brett Listening To? Um, And this is the first iteration of the podcast. Um, I am live at Lakeside Studios right now. I'm joined by my producer and engineer, Austin. Say hi, Austin. Hey, everybody. So Austin has so so graciously agreed to help me set up this podcast, and without his help, I could not be doing it. Um, We are going to launch on SoundCloud. We are also going to be launching on iTunes as well. Um, As of right now, the basis for this podcast, I am just going to talk about what albums I have been listening to Um, And then I really want to open it up at some point to try and get recommendations from listeners as well. um, Because this is just to help me in my quest for finding new music, listening to new music, and telling you what I think about it. Um, So the first album that we're going to dig into here is one that is 20 years old, but I didn't really listen to until this past weekend. That album is Voodoo uh, by D'Angelo. Um, And before I get too into that, um, I've decided that I'm just going to talk about uh, the albums. Uh, You can go and listen to them. You can really dig into them, Um, find out uh, what you think about the albums for yourself. I'm not going to play any clips on here because royalty-wise, I want to wait until I, you know, sign some contracts, get some (laughs) sponsors, and really get the flow of uh, those green government printed beer tokens before I can do anything (laughs) like that, but... Dude, you should, um, can I interrupt? Yeah. <laughs> you should like release the album that you're going to listen to the episode before you review it. That way people can listen to it and be ready for your review of it and kind of like have a little bit of a little bit more context. You know what I mean? That is uh, a great point. Um, and that's something that what I'll do is eventually there's going to be social media set up for this. So I'm going to try and start with the Twitter maybe move to an Instagram or a Facebook page. Um, cause I do want to interact with my listeners and I do want, uh, both their recommendations and then their thoughts on, uh, the albums that were on the podcast as well. It's a Good idea, man. Yep. So, uh, eventually all that will be set up at this point. We have just hit record and, uh, we're rolling with it. So without further ado, let me get into this album, uh, Voodoo by D'Angelo. It is uh, amazing um and also on this podcast i'm not going to give a score out of 10 i know a lot of uh, music blogs music reviews do uh scores basically i'm going to tell you if i like it or if i don't like it and then the reasons why um this album though i really really like and in the sense that it really seems timeless to me um this album came out in 2000 just celebrated its 20th anniversary. And it feels like it came out tomorrow. Um, What's the genre? The genre is... Uh, that, that's another thing that I wanted to talk about because a lot of people are calling this um, a Neo Soul record or just like a huge advancement in Neo Soul. Okay. And Neo Soul to me doesn't really do justice to this album because there are so many different um, genres that are teased throughout the course of different songs. That's cool. I like I'm, when bands do that. Yeah, you've got elements of P-Funk, G-Funk, hip-hop, uh, R&B, um, and soul music. And when I think about Neo Soul, I think of uh, like R. Kelly, um, Aaliyah, Basically, all those artists that came out late '90s, early 2000s, and I think what this sets it apart is just the different styles. It really doesn't hang on, you know, a, a certain arrangement of instruments, because you've got everything from in in this one, you have a lot of live recordings and a lot of live trackings, which I think set it apart from. Um, early R&B that tend, tended to sample a lot. Most of this was recorded live, especially the vocals. That's cool. Um, but that being said, when you get into songs uh, like Left and Right, you've got a live recording, but you've also got samples, and you've got guest appearances from people like Redman and Method Man that really tend to give it a, a more hip-hop funk sort of thing. That's pretty cool. Um, You're making me want to listen to this. Oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Austin is just... Uh, he's been thrown into the fire here, so I'm talking about an album, and he hasn't had a chance to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I know he definitely will um, after this, because th- this album was uh, one that I, w- I was driving back. I was on a pretty long road trip, and I just said to myself, hey, everybody's tweeting about this album. Everybody's saying happy anniversary to th- this album. I've never checked it out, so let me do that, and I just... Started from the beginning, hour and a half drive, and just listened to it cover to cover. And um, definitely some things that I want to point out that I like about this album. Like I said, it's really uh, genre fluid, it, it, you know, <laughs> it, if, if you would. Um, and I I think, uh, like, Neo Soul, to me, has always been, like, smooth R&B, baby-making music. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So... This one, yeah, it's got the baby making music songs, <laughs> which which are really really good, um, and just some mentions on here like left and right, uh, um, one Mogan, um feel like making love, and then the uh, lead single from this album, untitled, uh, or how does it feel, and those are all really good neo soul R and B tracks. Um, but I think what you know what just sets them apart is how they were recorded. If you listen to the recordings, um, one thing I don't like about this album is the timbre of D'Angelo's voice. Okay, which, which sounds like a big thing. You know, could be a major turnoff for someone listening to someone sing for the entirety of the album. But what he does here, um, when I'm listening to it, he has a really nasally voice. You know, when you listen to a soul singer. You don't really expect that, but I think what he does in order to flip it and, and sort of make it different and more enjoyable and more lush is his voice is layered so many po- at, or at so many points throughout this song. And it's definitely him because you hear that same voice and it's singing harmony with itself. I mean, you have four-part harmony sometimes that is layered. So you you have four part harmony But it sounds like each of those parts Have been recorded multiple times To just give a real sonic depth To the vocals on the track Um, Another thing that I really like About uh, the vocals on this album Is when this was mixed A lot of the times Especially in modern music You've got the vocalist at the center And everything else is sort of in the background Um, This album to me The vocals are really, really low. And that's both a plus and a minus. Uh, The negative to that is you can't really hear what D'Angelo is saying. His enunciation isn't that strong. Um, So a lot of the words get lost, and you can just get the core feel of the song, or just here and there, this is what he's talking about. Um, The chorus is not so much, but definitely the verse. The uh, pro to that is everything else just sort of shines through, and especially the bass. I mean, the bass on these songs is absolutely ridiculous. It's either being played by Charlie Hunter on some tracks and you have Pino Palladino, who's the bass player out of the John Mayer trio, laying down the bass on other tracks. Um, The track that I'd like to point out that I think just has the most prevalence in the bass is One Mo Gin, And I don't know what they did to that. I don't know um, how many times it's been recorded how many times it's been overdubbed, um, what layers are there, what filters are on it. It sounds like a little bit of an envelope filter to me, but just the punch on that, I would listen to that track if it was just the isolated bass line itself. <laughs> I mean, absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, um, some other things here, it, it just sounds like... it. The the other thing to me um, to point out why I like this album so much, and why I think it's just against the, the grain and shouldn't really be filed away with all the other neo soul albums, um, just the way that that this was recorded. Um, a lot of times, late eighties or late eighties, early nineties, late nineties, um, hip hop, you had the drum machine. Right, this one's a live band. Yeah, right. th- this one's a live band, but it also has some drum machine on it too. And to me, it really reminds me of listening to Jay Dilla, if you've ever heard of him. Nope, sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a, another one that you're gonna have to really dig into. Um, I'm I'm not a hip hop guy. It, it's right. not my first genre at all. Um, I'd I'd probably say rock is the genre that I listen to most. Um, but digging into Jay Dilla. He was a producer and a beat maker. And what he did different is he had um, he had one of those beat machines. And a beat machine, usually what you can do is you can turn a program on it to make everything exact. So have the kick hit at the same time, you know, right on the beat. Right. Same thing with the snare because it's a computer, so you can make it perfect. Um, and what he did was he turned that program off on the beat machine. So things are a little out of whack. You know, the kick might hit a little bit late. The snare might hit a little bit early and it just gives it this janky sounding feel to it. That's not perfect, but you're hooked on it because it's different every single time. That's cool. Um, It was, uh, when I listened to a Jay Dilla beat versus when I listened to another beat of that era, it's just like unmistakably you can tell which one was Jay Dilla. And, the drumming on this, whether it's from a beat machine or whether it's from a live or whether it's from a live drum, I hear both. Um, even when it's recorded on a live drum, it sounds like the drummer is really, really dragging the tempo. So you might have a rhythm guitar that hits a little bit before the kick drum hits, or right. a horn that hits a little bit from the bass drum hits, and it it, it just gives it a really sort of drunk feel almost. That's cool. Um, and, and it's different. Everything changes up from meter to meter. It's not the same. I mean, you're not listening to a loop of the same four bars, which are a lot of instrumentals for hip-hop tracks, yeah. especially in this time. And uh, it, it just keeps everything fresh, which is why I like it. You can really groove to it. It feels human because there's some air there. Um, it's not just something that was punched into a computer and then looped for five minutes. And, um, this album is no stranger to five, six, seven minute songs. And for them to hold your attention that long, they have to do something that keeps you interested. So, um, that's another thing. Um, like I said, this is the first time I listened to it. I've been absolutely hooked. I've been spinning it everywhere. Uh, I've been playing it in the car, at the gym, um, in my headphones when I'm listening to it at home. And, uh, I, I didn't grow up with it. So this was my first big dive into the track or into the album. Some tracks that have grown on me, uh, Spanish joint, definitely because that has, um, a lot of Latin rhythms in it. It, It's just different, um, left and right, um, and probably my favorite track on this, the root, um, just. Talking about again things that they do to keep it interesting, the beats switch up, there are teases here, every song flows into another. So to me, this feels almost like the Pink Floyd version of hip hop, R and B and soul albums. It's cool. Because every track, the way it ends, just effortle- effortlessly flows in, into the next one. I like when bands do that or artists. Yeah, it, it, it really takes it from, Hey, here's an album that has three good songs, then the rest are filler tracks. which I think so many bands do today because the money's made off the singles. Yeah, definitely. People don't sit down and listen to an album anymore. And this album just has that sort of timeless feel because every track goes into the next one. And it's a composition that's meant to be listened to from start to finish. Cool. Of course you can select different tracks from it. Um, If you have Spotify, uh, definitely check out those ones that I mentioned before. Um, but just just last, what I can compare this to, what this makes me think of, um, not growing up with this album, the thing that it makes me think of is uh, "To Pimp a Butterfly" by Kendrick Lamar. I haven't dived into that too much. Yeah, Move into that too much. There's um I like Kendrick, but like you said, I like his like singles, so I don't really know much of his discography or anything like that. Yeah, actually, To Pimp a Butterfly was an album that reminds me of this because in the way of its composition, it starts from the start, and it's one where every song just flows into each other. It's meant to be listened to from start to finish. Um, and then even if you look at the later Kendrick compositions like Damn, um, the way that that album ends is kind of a tease to this album because at the uh, last track of damn, which I think is called duckworth at the end of that, you hear everything in reverse and it kind of rewinds and goes back to the beginning and sets it up to just go into the lead track again. Oh, that's cool. This album has that exact same thing. Oh, really? And honestly, um, having listened to this, this came before it. So I think that's what Kendrick was teasing when Probably. he, when he came Probably. out with damn, uh, which was, Really, really cool. Again, Kendrick, someone who sings, but it's very, very nasally, mm. um, which which is another nod to uh, to this album, and also to Pimp a Butterfly. A lot of it was recorded live, okay, which uh, which makes it really sound like the the instrumentation on this. That's cool. Um. Yeah, if if you like those albums, if you like Kendrick Lamar, if to Pimp a Butterfly, or Damn was one that you really got into. I'd say if you haven't checked this out yet, definitely do. Um, I'm also looking for recommendations for my next album. Do you know what you're going to do next or no? Um, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know how often I'm going to do this. So this is uh, just pressing record, talking about an album. Um, I think I'm going to come out with uh, the next episode of the podcast whenever inspiration strikes me, (laughs) uh, whenever I find another album. And it's like, hey, I want to get on a microphone and talk about this because it's really, really cool. Um, But that's pretty much it. The uh, social media will uh, go up. I will um, probably in the next episode talk a little bit about that once I have everything set up. But um, we do need to do a little bit of the work on the back end. Um, Again, Austin, thank you for being here. Um, Not a problem, dude big thanks to Austin for uh producing mixing mastering this as well like I said without uh without him this podcast would not be possible um and definitely stay tuned looking to do some more albums in the future um until then my name is Brett Sassman this has been the first episode of what is Brett listening to um and I will hopefully see you soon